On this week's RVA Real Estate Talk podcast, we will be reviewing Laura Lee's. We'll be doing a neighborhood rundown of Cambria Code, and we will be jumping into how to win a multiple bid situation. You're listening to RVA Real Estate Talk with Jared Davis and Galen Parker, your source for an honest, insightful look into Central Virginia's real estate market. Combined, Jared and Galen have over 20 years sales experience, as well as hundreds of testimonials from clients past and present who rely on them for advice and assistance when buying and selling homes in today's incredibly hot and competitive real estate market. And now, your hosts, Jared Davis and Galen Parker. This is Jared Davis and Galen Parker, and this is RVA Real Estate Podcast. How are you doing, Central Virginia? How are you doing, Galen? I missed you guys. I'm doing well, but you... I'm good. It's been a busy couple weeks. We've had a lot going on. Have you noticed that it is 190 degrees outside every day? That's uh, that's real numbers. Don't fact check me, please. It has been. I think uh, the humidity is completely <laughs> off the charts at this point. I so, did six showings the other day, and we were both soaking wet like we just walked out of the pool. How many so. showers did you take after? I'm taking three. I'm doing three showers a day. That's right. Three uh, that's days. Very, a lot of people are pretty happy to see that about me. <laughs> no exercise, but definitely <laughs> no. three showers. I'm down six six pounds. All right. Well, what are we going to be talking about today? What are we doing? Uh, today, we've got a couple of things. One of the things that I was really looking forward to, everyone says they love so much, is the Foodie Review. So this week, we're doing uh, Laura Lee's, which I had never been to. So I was happy that we got that recommendation. Um, what did you think? I mean, you had been there before. Uh, what, what were some of the, the takeaways that you kind of landed on? You know, I'd say it's classic Richmond, exactly. American American style restaurant, diner. You know, if you've been to maybe the Roosevelt or Heritage or Saison, anything like that, it kind of falls in line. Really good cocktails, nice draft list, uh, good wine list. Um, we, we didn't go too crazy when we were there the other day. I think we both looked at the menu and thought, man, the cheeseburger looked... <laughs> really good based on what we saw we're not as young as we used to used to be we used to like go to a restaurant eat everything we go appetizers entrees desserts i think we went there we're just like we just need something delicious and i think we landed on that pretty nicely we did they had a fried chicken sandwich that looked really good as well but it doesn't have to be sandwiches they do full entrees as well um you know they had scallops on the menu they had jumbo crab cakes you got uh, blood sausage. I saw somebody eating that. It was the, huge. Did you see that plate that came out? It was massive. It looked like there was some fish. Um, so a good mix of, of stuff. The atmosphere I thought was really nice. Um, it's located right off Forest Hill. So I don't know if you know Forest Hill Park. If you ever go to uh, maybe the James River Farmers Market that happens on Saturdays down there. But it's right across the way, kind of near uh, what is it, Crossroads Coffee. I so, love that place as well. Uh, super neat spot. What was your takeaway overall? You know, it's funny. I think I use the word Americana too often, but this is definitely kind of how I felt like it was, as you mentioned, quintessential Richmond. Um, I got, I think it was like a new Belgian like watermelon draft that they had, uh, which was really good, very fruity. So that kind of made me super happy because I don't like things that are too sweet. And it definitely was that, uh, was not that. I kind of looked at the menu, was, wasn't sure what I wanted because we weren't like super hungry. But after that first bite of the double cheeseburger, I was completely in love and for me i love getting a burger i love going to any restaurant where they can do a burger right where you don't think that they're going to have a good burger uh so this was like a pleasant surprise and you know we kind of debated whether we're going to do the uh, fried chicken sandwich um the only mistake i think i made mm-hmm. i, I know what you're gonna say i didn't add bacon that oh. was a mistake i made oh okay that was all right maybe there's two mistakes how'd you feel about the greens well you know it's here's the thing i i 
I should have got French fries. Me too. My heart said French fries. Beach season said don't get French fries. So I, I'm trying to have this bikini body. So I went with the salad, and it was the bitter greens. And if you like bitter greens, then this is a place for you. But if you're like <laughs> me, and you don't like bitter greens, uh, you kind of just muddle through it. You know, chomping or around not, on your, or just you stop. I think we both had our salads left when we gave it back. So definitely go with the French fries if you're going. The they looked amazing. As they like came by, like on someone else's plate, like a little tear fell from my eye. I was like, I should have got the French fries. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. As far as cocktails go, if you like cocktails, some of the ones of note they had one called the Tiger's Eye. It had bitters, uh, four roses of bourbon, lime, simple syrup. I had that one. It was delicious. You didn't let me sip it. It was it was good. I didn't want to share it. Uh, if you want something a little more tropical, they recommended the Cabana Boy. That's plantation three star rum, Stregra, lime, pineapple, coconut, and they throw in some Austin East pineapple cider, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, also some blue curaco. So uh, a couple of different cocktails. And we went to at recommend. the perfect time, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like a- Monday at eight p.m. Uh, it was super relaxed. Uh, the atmosphere was nice. There was, you know, a couple couples out there. It looked like there was maybe like a bridal shower or something going yeah. on there. I saw that. Um, so, you know, it was a good time to go. Definitely relaxed. I highly recommend it. I usually try to do at least once a week a, a restaurant recommendation of the week. So I think that's going to be it uh, in the future. We got some pictures. We'll uh, upload those somewhere so people can kind of take a look at what we were seeing. That would be enjoyed. Good. And another thing, everybody loves brunch. They do it Saturday and Sunday. So. Definitely worth checking out the brunch menu online for that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the foodie review. Now we move on to the neighborhood rundown. So what are we doing today for that? You know, one of the things that I was thinking about, see, I live kind of out in Brandermill, and one of the... Uh, areas that's kind of taken off that's kind of nice as Cambier Grove and I don't know if, if you're not from Richmond you probably don't recall maybe some of the history that was behind that so let's see if we go in our mental time machine we rewind back to maybe 2007 uh, there was a lot of uh, excitement around that uh, community a lot of uh, builders particularly I think it was Centex and I think they're out of Dallas Centex was interested in kind of developing uh, the recession hit and obviously everything came to a screeching halt and so uh, like a lot of communities like that in Cameron Crow but kind of slowed down to a crawl but recently um, 2014 came around we started noticing the grow uh, especially in regards to the market especially here in Richmond so that was kind of nice so um, some builders got back involved in Cambria Grove and it is turning out absolutely stunning so um, who's building in there now so right now they've got Stylecraft and they've got Ryan Holmes. Okay. And those are obviously two big names in Richmond that a lot of people are going to be familiar with. Um, they've got, you know, very nice properties everywhere. There's other builders out there too, but I think Ryan and Stylecraft are two names that you're going to be familiar with. Yeah. We've sold a few in there over the years and you're yeah. right. There's a lot of neighborhoods in the area that, that, that screeched along in 2007, <laughs> 2008. You know, that was one you had Collington kind of slowed down, Absolutely. Roundtree kind of slowed down. Um, even Halsley, which is one of the top premier neighborhoods that, you know, went to a dead stop. For They're a all while booming right now. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. So Cambria Cove may be one that you're not quite thinking about. Uh, you kind of got to go beat deep back in the neighborhood to see the new construction, honestly. Yeah, you're thinking probably Genito and Otterdale is probably back in that area if you're looking out there. But uh, it's super nice. A lot of things are coming out there. 
Yeah. So, um, what about price point? Any idea on price point? Uh, so I think like so Ryan. Well, actually, let's start with Stoutcraft. They're kind of building places that will be between like twenty two hundred and uh, thirty one hundred square feet, and so their price point is going to be anywhere between. Uh, like 330 uh, 330,000 and 375,000. So that's a nice price point. You know, that's that's good. Um Ryan Homes, they're, you know, similar but they're looking for it looks like they're from what I remember it's a little bit smaller in some areas. So they're anywhere between 1800 square feet and like 3600 square feet and their price points a little bit around 340,000 to maybe like 399,000. Okay. Um, you know, depending as to what you what you're looking for, crafting style houses. So it's everything that people are looking for. Beautiful amenities, great area. Um, you're not too too far away from the city, um, and everything's just developing out there. There's a lot of great restaurants, markets. So it's really really cool place. Um, the other thing that I think a lot of people, you, if you watch Channel 12 like I do, uh, they're hyping it up because they're doing that uh, St. Jude's Dream Home out there. Okay. Um, so I think they're on the second one right now. Um, and they've raised a, a ton of money for the ch- children's hospital. So if you're not familiar, you, you donate a hundred bucks to like the raffle, and then you can win, and then you actually get one of these houses uh, that you know that's out there. So that's a huge one. I think they said last time I checked, it was like the house was worth like four hundred eighty thousand, like something like wow. really cool. Um, so you have an opportunity to win that. So uh, I would definitely say check it out. I had an opportunity to look at some of the tour there. You know, everything that you're looking for, countertops, all the upgrades, amenities, uh, everything's really well built, really well done. Yeah. And that sounds like a pretty good price point. Again, with some of the neighborhoods out there, it seems like it's tough to get anything new for less than five, six hundred thousand exactly. these days. Exactly. So that seems like a nice, easy price point, depending on what you want. Middle grade, not necessarily going um, starter home, but almost maybe something in the exactly. middle. It sounds like size wise without maybe blowing the budget. So uh, Cambria Cove, if you haven't thought about it, maybe put it on your list to look. And if you have any more questions, you can call us on that, too. So, now we're going to move into our Real Estate 360. Our main topic for the day. Dun, dun, dun. Bidding wars. Galen, how do you feel about the offers that you've been writing these days? (laughs) Well, if if you're like me, you know, you and I, we work together. We've got a a team of three. And so I do a lot of, you know, buyers, things like that. And so I feel like right now, depending on the area, the days of writing one offer is pretty much out the window. Uh, You almost have to brace your clients for the reality of the multiple bid scenario. And for most part, a lot of people, they don't know what that is. They don't know what to expect. And so uh, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, escalation, escalation clauses and, you know, you know, what are some strategies that they could, you know, kind of approach. So uh, begin, Jared, give us an idea. What what causes the multiple bid scenario? What is the what market do we usually see? Well, right now we are in a seller's market for sure. That's us. Inventory is low. Prices are still good. They're going up. Uh, Mortgage rates are actually coming down again. So it's causing people to really just have this influx of buyers coming in constantly. They can't build them faster than they can sell them. It seems like And because of that, you get people that are just fighting over houses. Now, I'll give you just a rough estimate because as much as we like to write offers for people, (laughs) we really do not like to write five, six, seven offers for people before they get a house. It means a lot of work for us. And obviously, it's a lot of heartache for the client most of the time. But I was looking this morning at some of our stats. I think we've, we've got about 45 houses under contract for the year so far. 
Uh, I think we're on track for about 100 technically. But I also went in and I looked at how many contracts I've written this year. Yeah. And I want to say I had close to 70 files open in just my files. Now, I didn't check Galen's. I didn't check our other buyer's agent's files. So most likely, I would guess that we've probably got about 100 contracts that we've written this Very year likely. to get our 45. So for every contract we write, we lose one. So one of the things I'm trying to prepare all of our buyers for is when we get into this scenario where we have multiple contracts, anywhere from two to uh, I think one we wrote on this year had 17 offers on it by the time they considered. How can we make sure that you're going to even be in the running? And that's what we want to figure out today. So, uh, Galen, what do you think about getting a house under ask price at this point in this market? If it's if it's new to market, if there's a lot of interest, if it seems like offers are coming in, how likely are you going to get a house for somebody if you go in under their ask price? Um, I haven't happened. It hasn't happened yet. Okay. <laughs> so that's, uh, we'll, we'll start there. Uh, depending on the neighborhood, uh, it's just not going to happen. If, if there is a lot of people um, interested in a certain area, a certain house, sometimes we have the idea at some points we're like, oh, well, let me just get in a, a lower offer just to you know test the waters. And some of those lowball offers are just getting blown out the water. I mean, at the very least, people are going ask, especially if it's been on the market for, you know, less than a week. Exactly. And in this market right now, depending on the neighborhood, there's very few things are staying on the market for more than a week. Yeah. Uh, so if you see it immediately, you got to go. You you've got to go and contact your agent. Say I want to schedule you. Get in there as quick as possible. You do not want to wait. Um, I've had a lot of clients that are util utilizing lunch breaks. Um, they're taking 10 a.m. lunches and say, you know, let's go. We want to see this property now. We understand the market. And that's because I've, you know, in that beginning buyer's consolation, that, and that's what I do with all of my clients. We just talk like this is what the market's like. Here's what you should have done already. And if you haven't done it, you know, obviously, and that's things with, you know, talking to your a loan provider, all these things. These are all steps that you want to do before you even get into that scenario. But uh, at the very least, you're going to go ask, ask price. Yeah. You know, we, like I said, out of the 45 houses, I went back and looked at the stats today to see buy side, sell side, how many sold over ask, how many sold under ask, how many sold at ask. And I want to say it was about 75% of them were ask or above. Yeah. Um, now, again, that's not to say if something hasn't been on the market for a while, maybe they're overpriced. There's obviously factors, and that's why you have about 25% of our deals that have come in under ask or with closing costs and things like that. And but, those are the areas that probably wouldn't generate a multiple bid scenario. Exactly. So there's a lot of factors that, that do go in. Sometimes maybe they're investment properties. Maybe they've been sitting on the market for a while, things like that. So um, when we're in this multiple bid scenario, the first thing people tend to ask me is, do you think I could get my closing costs covered? And it's a tough question because sometimes as a first-time home buyer, you need your closing costs. Absolutely. You, you've got to have the seller pay some of them. You're, you're, you're strapped on cash. You're trying to get your down payment money together. You want as much down payment money as you can, and you need that to happen. But what may be the case, if you need your closing costs, Galen, what do we typically tell them they're going to have to do? I usually just say, listen, if you want, if you have to have your closing costs, then we're going to one, obviously go above uh, the listing price. Um, yep. You're going to have to offer something that kind of in the seller's mind cancels out the other thing. So that when the seller looks at multiple offers, they're like, oh, OK, well, you know, assuming that it appraises, you know, you offer something that's above that listing price. That way the seller can has like the warm and fuzzies when they look at the contract. So that's one thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so, again, we want to keep this in mind, too. Say a house is $200,000 and you need 6000 in closing costs. 
we can go 206 and ask for your 6,000 in closing costs, and that gives the seller their ask price, a Absolutely. net offer, essentially. Um, but one thing we have to start looking at is now this house has to appraise for that 206 versus the 200. So to a seller, that may be less attractive yep. as an offer that's just 200000 without closing costs. So the first thing we really want to do is when we sit down with people is figure out, do you actually have to have your closing costs? Do we have enough cash that if a scenario arises that we could take them off the table if need be? Because that could end up saving you. Um, the next thing would be, we mentioned appraisal. Now, this could be a little bit of a scary one. It's not something I normally recommend, but... I will say I have lost out on a couple offers this year so far, and I've also won some offers where instead of making the contract contingent to appraisal, we just waived the, the appraisal contingency altogether. Right. Now, I don't know, Galen, you know, what that means for them essentially would be if it's if it's a cash sale, it doesn't matter. You don't have to do an appraisal. But if they're financing, they gotta get an appraisal, right? Right. That's right, because the bank's not going to loan out as much money as it appraises for if it under-appraises, right? So at the end of the day, if you have enough cash to come out the difference, a lot of people are checking off that, hey, we'll pay the difference if Whatever this house the difference doesn't is, appraise. The check, yeah. That is one of the most attractive things to sellers, because as a home gets bid up, $10,000, dollars sometimes $30,000, maybe more, um, appraisals start to become an issue. So if someone really wants a house, depending on the price point, if they have the cash, they may end up eating, you know, five ten thousand dollars in extra down payment money just to cover the difference in appraisal. Sure, so, yeah, um, that's another one. What about home inspection, Galen? So the home inspection one is that can be kind of dicey. I year to date have never recommended someone to say, "Hey, void the home inspection." I am a big fan. Don't do that. But there are things that you can do that would make it you know, super appealing to a seller. For instance, uh, you might say, you know, up to two grand, I'll waive. And so that makes the, the, the homeowner say, okay, if I've got, if the home inspector says, all right, there's $1,800 worth of things. Well, as a buyer, you can say, you know what? Don't worry about that. I'll eat that. Now, if it goes over that, you know, there's certain there's certain prices or points or financial adjustments that you can kind of make. Um, I always say still get a home inspection just because you want to know if there's major issues uh, that would really dramatically affect uh, the house, dramatically affect what you might do down the road. Home inspections are great because even if the seller doesn't agree to fix things right then or you say, I don't need these things fixed right now, at least you have a list of no, all right, five years I might need this, you know, six years I might need this or I might need this and this is kind of gives you an idea of a budget for you know down the road those are absolutely great things I would never say don't get a home inspection but just give it some consideration meet with your agent um, you know call Jared call myself uh, we can talk about you know certain things that they could be common things that happen to your home inspection uh, you know general prices you know based on the size of the house and that way you can be better prepared uh, when you do your offer yeah, and if, if you're not completely in the know, if this is your first house, anytime you buy a house, you get to do a home inspection. Yep. And if there's material defects, you can ask for the seller to repair them prior to closing, depending on what they are. Um, and so with the market being what it is, sellers have been very happy because they're selling their houses quick and they're selling their houses for a lot of money. But on the flip side, buyers... Um, going through these bidding wars, spending so much for the houses, overbidding, they tend to sometimes be a little unreasonable with what they want as far as repairs go on home inspection. I just got one the other day that had 48 <laughs> items on it. And this was a house that had been renovated. It was a renovated house. And I had somehow they found 48 things that they wanted me to fix, most of which were not defects. So right. 
at the end of the day, for a seller to say, all right, this is great, we've got this offer, but what happens if these people get cold feet? What happens if these people get you know, turned off by an old HVAC unit or an old water heater or from, you know, some peeling paint, whatever it may be, right? Right. right. Waving some of those repairs is good. Now, I've done it both ways. I've gone and said, look, we're going to do a home inspection, but it's just for informational purposes. Exactly. So we're not going to ask for anything. If if it's something serious and major, my guys can walk away, but otherwise you don't have to eat anything when it comes to repairs. Or, like Galen said, up to a limit, right? Because what we really don't want is to get stuck with foundation repairs or get stuck with needing a new HVAC unit or maybe there's a lot of mold and rot in the crawl space or a bad roof. You know, we want to have the option for our buyer, if they weren't aware of that, that they can get that handled. But overall, um, if we waive the first $1,000 of items or $2,000 of items, then they know we're not coming back and saying, hey, there's a, a lightly loose toilet or a leaky faucet or you know, you've got a, a an outlet in the wall that's a little bit shaky and needs to be replaced or tightened, right? So overall, it's it's a nice add-on. I know we've won offers multiple times this year. We've had the same exact offer as the other person, but we've waived a thousand bucks in home inspection items. And there's two things uh, that are the home inspection is going to affect. One, um, your agent should be kind of reviewing to you what is a material defect. What is not a material defect? It, your agent needs to kind of sit down with you, kind of brace you for what exactly that looks at. But the second thing, especially when it comes to home inspection for a multiple bid scenario or multiple offer scenario is think of it from the, the standpoint of the seller. So I've got two offers, three offers that are coming in. Um, if they, if you can put their mind at ease, because a lot of times, uh, say you win, and then you have 40 items, like you said, you have 40 items on your inspection. Well, then the seller could just say, you know what? I had four, I had five, I had six offers, and I'm not fixing anything. Yeah. And so you need to kind of, you need to prepare your mind for what could possibly happen. And so you had to say, well, if we're in that scenario, maybe I don't do 40. Maybe I say, all right, let's pare this list down to top six. These are six. I got to fix this or I'm out of here. I got to fix or walk. Yep. So if you can identify those, you're going to be in an amazing position as far as getting your bid and getting your dream house locked down, having me and Jared, you know, show up at your housewarming party with, right. with, with beers and food and all of us having a great time Lots and stuff of like booze. that. You know, well, yeah, that's, that's a perk <laughs> with the Davis group. So, you know, keep that in mind. We so, throw a good party. We do throw a good party. You've never been to our client appreciation parties. We, we know how to do a party for Where sure. Where do we have our client appreciation Ooh, parties? Casa del Barco. Casa del Barco. Thank you, Casa del Barco. They have provided us with amazing service past couple of years. We went in there the other night and... Uh, we, we showed them still love, so yeah. Uh, shout out to Hannah, best bartender. Thank you, Hannah. She's amazing. Okay, so anything else? I, I can think of a couple things on, on this subject, but anything you can think of as far as making that bid better? So I, I would say just real quick, obviously choose your agent wisely. Choose your agent who understands the multiple bid scenario. Second, you know, get pre-approved for a mortgage loan, so partner yourself up with a lender who's going to be able to assist you, kind of give you the idea of, you know, what do I need for... Um, you know, for making my offer, what do I need for closing costs, stuff like that. Third, I would say just know the market, make sure you understand that. And then, as we mentioned, think about offering more than list price. See what that, what effect that will have. Yep, I'm gonna throw out a couple other things too. Fire away. Uh, down payment money. Absolutely. Again, that's something that some people cannot control. Uh, some people don't have 20% down. Obviously, some people are doing five, three, ten, depending. But the more money you have down, the better it makes you look as a buyer for sure. So that's one thing. Um, the type of financing, right? Good. Uh, if you're a cash offer versus any other offer, we'd rather have the cash. That's a sexy offer. I mean, at, yeah. At the end of the day, we know that the cash is there as long as we can confirm the funds. 
that's the way to go. After that, most of the time, people are going to be looking for a conventional buyer. Um, typically, it means a higher credit score, a little bit better debt-to-income ratio, and then you start funneling into your FHA, your first-timers, your grants, your VHDAs, your VAs, things like that. So again, depending on the financing, if you can do cash, if you can do conventional, that's going to kind of bump you up and bump you ahead. Um, down payment money is going to bump you up and bump you ahead. And don't get too worried if you've got FHA. Um, a lot of these houses that are in the multiple offer, they're nice houses. Things are put together. I mean, yes, FHA is a little more you know, stringent as far as what they do, but it's not you know, terrible. Don't, don't feel too bad. But yeah, other offers sometimes a little bit better. Exactly. And then at the end of the day, money talks, right? So um, escalation clauses. We haven't really talked about escalation clauses yet. Run through that. Um, but it's a very, very good option in this market. So essentially what an escalation clause is, it lets you put in an offer for one price, but then tell the seller, we'll actually escalate our price up to another level if another offer comes in and we need to do so. So typically you would escalate the offer to, you know, you can you can choose your amount, but most of the time we do $1,000 over any other offer up to a certain amount. Yep. So say the home is $200,000 and you say, I'm willing to pay two twenty. Sometimes buyers get nervous. They say, well, do I really have to give this guy $20,000 more for this house? And he's asking right now. No, you now. don't. Exactly. So with the escalation clause, we can say, no, no, we'll give him the 200000 But if you're willing to go to 220 then we'll escalate our offer to $1,000 over any other offer up to a max price of 220 So if another bid comes in for, say, 210 that pushes ours to 211 saves you $9,000, but still makes you the winning bidder. Um, hands down, this is one of the best ways to get your price for the house that you want and to lock in that house um, if they'll accept them. Sometimes agents say they don't want to have escalation clauses come in. Uh, I always welcome them on our yeah. listings. I'm happy to take escalation clauses for sure uh, because ultimately they're going to bid. They're going to bid against each other anyways. The escalation clauses will bid yeah. against each other. So, it's kind of like eBay. eBay has a very similar thing. eBay, you, you say, All right, I want to pay this amount. I'm willing to do that, and it builds up so you don't have to like sit there automatically watching it. It'll kind of automatically do it for you to a degree. You have to know your budget. You have to know your your max. Um, so obviously, your lender and your agent will discuss that with you. So uh, nothing, you know, you will never get in a situation where you're a perilous situation where things just bidding up, and you're like, I can't afford that. So yeah. you know, you'll kind of understand what's going on. That's a good illustration. It's pretty much a reserve price. So and, and it works amazing. I can tell you, hands down, this year we've gotten at least three to four just by the skin of our teeth where it escalated <laughs> all the way up and we won by that last thousand dollars and i've also had a couple where i've also had a couple where um we've gone up maybe 15 or 20 but then we've only had to escalate maybe two to three or four so at the end of the day that's helped out a lot because people felt like they honestly saved money over what they could have offered if they had gone uh just with their their top offer up front so uh, escalation is another thing uh, the last thing that I would say, it's not going to be as big of a factor, um, but I'll throw it in there, and that is home or, uh, uh, EMD, earnest money deposit down. Yeah. So something like that, the typical home buyer puts about 1000 bucks down on a house when they purchase it. Um, sometimes offers will come across and we'll see minimum EMDs, like you know 500 bucks versus someone that says, you know, I'm willing to put maybe 2000 or $5,000 down, 1%. Now, an EMD is just a deposit that says, hey, we're serious about buying the house. It sits in escrow, and it actually goes back to you, the buyer, if you don't buy the house, unless you you know, just void a contract for no reason. You know? it, you, you've got your outs for home inspection. You've got your outs for appraisal. You've got your outs if you can't find it. You're going to get that money back. Yeah. But at least what it lets the seller see is, hey, this guy's got a little bit of cash to play with versus 
the bare minimum. I always tell people the EMD, think of it. I always explain it like this. I said, think of the EMD as the engagement ring. Um, if someone was going to uh, propose to a lady and he says, yeah, I really want to marry you. I want to spend the rest of my, my life with you. And he doesn't give her an engagement ring. It is very likely that she's going to think he's not serious. And so that's all the EMD is. It's basically shown I am serious about following through uh, with this interaction, with this transaction. So that's all your EMD is. And so obviously... You know, depending on who you are, the bigger the diamond, the bigger the uh, the attraction. And so people might think, all right, so this guy's got an ICMD. He's really serious. He is, you know, financially stable enough. And so things will go smoothly. And so that's something that a lot of people look for. Galen, you are full of wise illustrations today. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, just... I, I've been up. I've been up a little bit. I've had a lot of coffee. Thank <laughs> you, Wawa. Man, that man, you're <laughs> you're just killing the illustrations today, man. Well, I think that covers pretty much everything to kind of prepare you. For a multiple bid scenario, for sure. I mean, um, you're going to run into it a lot in this market. I would say for the next year or two, it's going to be pretty big. Um, anything else you can think of, Galen? Uh, no. One thing I did want to say is that it's kind of cool. You know, we, we're super uh, excited about this podcast, and we want to thank all of the people uh, that have been listening. We've got listeners in Mexico. Uh, we've had some Alaska listening. We've got obviously here in the States. So, uh, I really hope that you guys are enjoying it. Uh, thank you so much. This has been a blast and we're going to keep trying to pump out uh, content that is really, uh, apropos for our area, something that, you know, people take an interest in, um, We've got to. We're we're up big numbers. I, I looked at it the other day and it said we were up kind of like thirteen hundred percent as far as downloads. So if there's anything uh, that you you're listening, you have a question, you want to say, you know, I, I've been wondering about this, or if you would like to just sit down have a meeting, feel free to email us, Galen at Central VA Realty, Jared at Central VA Realty. We'll be happy to sit down and talk about the market, um, see how we can kind of help you. Um, you know, kind of help you as far as, you know, what needs to be done. That's right. Studio 77, thank you for all of our podcast needs that you fulfill. So, Top of so, the line. So willingly to our listeners, whether they're here, Australia, I don't know where that guy Goodbye, came mate. from. I mean, where did you find us? That's great. <laughs> if you want to buy some houses and investments in Richmond, Virginia, we're, we're your we're, guys. We're happy to help. I don't know how, how real estate works on that side of the world. I've this, always this known not, that I had made. a big appeal to Austra Australia. Is it? It's okay. just, uh, just something about me. <laughs> I got you. Very nice. Well, yeah, hopefully we'll keep growing the podcast. Anything you want to hear, let us know what you want to hear about. Uh, we need another restaurant review for next time. So let us know where you want us to eat. Uh, this is certainly the easiest part about this podcast is getting to eat good food before we <laughs> come do this. So anyways, Jared at Central VA Realty, Galen at Central VA Realty, uh, reach out to us, let us know what you think, comment up, post up, and thank you for listening. If you have a real estate question that you would like to ask Jared or Galen, reach out to them at Jared at CentralVARealty.com or Galen at CentralVARealty.com. Who knows, it may even be featured on an upcoming episode. 